Knife, if you would put your hands together and welcome Jeff Sammons. Come on up. Awesome. So as the world falls apart, you start to ask yourself, where, where's God? What, what's he doing in the middle of all this? Uh, this is a picture that I saw this week. Uh, if you can't make it out on the screen, that is a lady leaning out the window of a Cadillac speeding through San Francisco carrying an AK-47. <clears throat> now, the really depressing part of this story, this happened last month, July 11th, I think. Uh, the depressing part of this story to me was San Francisco police uh, posted this week that they confiscated the car. Nothing about the lady or the gun, which I presume you can't buy at Walmart. Uh, but a picture like that happening close by, you wonder, what, what, is, what is happening to our world? Uh, this also from San Francisco. Did you see this last month? About 20 people uh, came into uh, Neiman Marcus down on Union Square there. I, they don't even let me in the front door at Neiman Marcus. But these 20 guys came in, men and women, bashed in uh, display cases and took jewelry and purses out into waiting cars out on the street that sped them away. How they sped them away on Union Square, I have no idea. Um, but, you know, it's not just big names like that. Uh, Walgreens is pulling out of San Francisco because shoplifting has gotten too bad. Target's hours are down to almost nothing there. Uh, but you can even go to Walmart here in Elk Grove and notice they're locking up more stuff now. Uh, you can't just walk into Target and get cosmetics anymore. You've got to ask somebody for permission to get cosmetics or practically or all sorts of things now. Uh, but you don't have to go shopping to see that either. Have you watched people driving, uh, running red lights? It's no longer just the, well, I thought it was going to be yellow and it turned out to be red. Now you've got people, everybody stopped at a red light and boom, somebody just goes. Or somebody will go around to run the red light in front of everybody. I think we've all seen uh, examples on the media, we've seen examples with our own eyes of the world falling apart around us. And we start wondering, where is God? Isn't God supposed to be a force for good? How does this evil happen? And he doesn't seem to do anything about it. Uh, well, like Tim said, we are finishing up the Summer and Psalms series. And I reach back to a Psalm of David, Psalm 11, because David was talking about this same sort of thing. Uh, and I'm going to start with verse 2, because verse 2 is what everybody was telling David. They were saying the wicked are stringing their bows and fitting their arrows on their bowstrings. Today we'd say loading their AK-47s. They shoot from the shadows at those who, as, whose hearts are right. Do you ever get the feeling that you go around a corner and something bad's going to happen to you? Because it's just everywhere. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. Boy, I hear that all the time. What can the righteous do? So that's what the world is saying. Everything is falling apart. What are we going to do? Well, David starts out the psalm by saying, I trust in the Lord for protection. So why do you say to me, fly like a bird to the mountains for safety? Because that is what everybody is saying now, isn't it? You've got to get out of here. You've got to go someplace else. What are the ways that we can run away? Well, you can physically leave. And I've heard a lot of people saying, I'm leaving California. I'm leaving the United States. I'm leaving wherever, I'm going to go to this other place. I'm going to move to a small town where people are still honest and fair and righteous. I worked 35 years in a small town. They're not any better than big cities, they're just quieter. Um, uh, 
Or you could say, well, the world is ending. I'm going to move someplace. So we've got a compound up in Idaho, and I'm going to move up there, and uh, I'll write out the apocalypse with these people. We've got food and water and everything for that. But I've read Revelation. It doesn't seem like very many people are going to survive that. Jesus even said that unless the days were short, no one would survive. Uh, the other way is you could mentally withdraw. You can seek out your own kind. So forget about a front row card. Uh, I know people that have no friends that aren't Christians. They're very proud of that fact. Oh, I only hang out with Christians. I listen to Christian radio. I only watch Christian videos and Christian TV stations. You basically shut out the world. So you don't know about people speeding through San Francisco carrying automatic weapons because you're just in your own little bubble. Or you can change your standards. You can say, well, what's wrong with carrying a loaded automatic weapon in public? What's wrong? I mean, Neiman Marcus probably had all those things covered by insurance. They weren't out any money. Uh, the people who stole them probably needed the money. You can modify your ideas of right and wrong. The problem with each of those things is that running away doesn't solve the problem. Because wherever you run, you're still going to be afraid. You're still going to be insecure. You're still going to have people around that are going to make you feel that way. You're not going to solve the problem. So where is God? What is God doing in all of this? Does he, does he even exist? A lot of people say, I know God doesn't exist because there's evil in the world. Well, David wouldn't agree with that. And he goes on in verse 4, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. Now, it's unfortunate. King James uses testing. Those are both kind of bad words for all of us that have been through public school because when we hear examining, we think of a test, like a Scantron test. Or, oh, if I know enough, I'll be okay. So if I do all the Bible reading plans, I'll get into heaven because I'll know then that schlub there has never opened his Bible. But that's not really what the testing refers to. It refers to what's happening on the right there. Uh, that's a testing, they're testing a piece of metal in there. In the middle of that vice is a piece of metal and they're twisting it and turning it and seeing how much pressure it's going to take so that they can tell the engineers you can put this in a bridge because it'll stand this much pressure under these conditions. What God is doing right now is watching and seeing each person. Are you going to choose righteousness? Are you going to follow what he wants? Or are you going to do what you want? Uh, and the Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds. Now, a lot of times here we stop here and go, yeah, this is what he ought to be doing. He ought to just go through and total San Francisco and Stockton. There's nobody left there. Uh, but the Lord loves justice. The virtuous will see his face. But that's not really why God is waiting. If God wanted to wipe out sinners, he could do that anytime he wants. And Peter explains it. In 2 Peter, the Lord isn't being slow about his promise to come back, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. All of us, uh, or uh, we don't know what's going to happen to that girl in San Francisco with the AK-47. We don't know that someday she's not going to repent and turn her life over to Jesus. We don't know that everybody in church this morning is going to end up following the Lord. I know a lot of people that follow the Lord, we're doing everything right, speaking in tongues, the whole nine yards, and then one day they say, well, Jesus just isn't for me anymore, and I'm going to try something different. Everybody is being examined. 
in this time. And everybody is being given a chance to repent. Uh, and a journey we like to talk about the ABC prayer. Uh, that for salvation, everybody needs to admit that you need a Savior. And when you think about it, we're really no better off than the people we're condemning. Yes, it's true. I've never stolen a purse from, uh, from, a, from a department store. But I have stolen from my employer. You know, just a pencil and a couple paper clips. I think if we all admit it, we've all sort of done things that are not, that are not good. And uh, it, we're reading a Sermon on the Mount now. And the part of the Sermon on the Mount that's always jarring for me is looking at how God doesn't look at whether you committed the action, whether you were successful at it, or whether you actually took steps towards it like the law does. If you thought about it or thought about something, thought about something that's as good as doing it. Uh, Jesus says, if you call someone fool, you're in danger of hellfire. All of us need to be in that place. Or even if we've never done anything wrong, don't we kind of wish when we see those people, boy, I hope God vaporizes them quickly. You know, he cut me off in traffic. I hope he doesn't make it home tonight. We have pride in our hearts, too. We need a Savior as bad as anybody else. But you have to believe that Jesus came down and paid the penalty for us. I'm not going to be feeling that blazing hellfire because God walked, because Jesus came down, sacrificed himself, walked through hell for us. But we have to commit to trusting him. We have to remake our lives. We can't listen to what they say. We have to start listening to what he says. So what are we supposed to be doing? We're in a place that's not a good place or in a time that's not a good time. How are we supposed to get through that? Well, David starts out the psalm by saying what to do. I trust in the Lord for protection. Unless God is your protector, you're never going to feel safe. Once God is protecting you, you can always feel safe because he's always there. Uh, Paul liked to talk about people being, uh, about Christians being in God's army. And uh, when people ask me, well, why aren't you leaving California? You know, why don't you sell your house? Why don't you move uh, someplace safer? And it's all over online. What I'd like to say to him, if I had the guts, is to say, I'm a soldier. Uh, and Paul said to Timothy, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for then they can't please the officer who enlisted them. I was recruited by Jesus to be in his army. And when you're in the army, you don't get to pick where you go. You can talk to your commanding officer. You can say, you know, I'd really like to go to this place or this place. You know, I'd like to be posted to Hawaii. Uh, but he's going to decide where you go based on his needs, based on the needs of the military. And the same is true with Jesus. When you enlist in his army, he's going to send you where you need to be. Uh, and, that, and when you're in the military, sometimes they don't send you to real good places. Uh, I don't hear people saying, boy, I sure hope I get sent out to Texas. Or Marines don't say, I want to get posted to 29 Palms, because I love the desert. Uh, but you're doing your duty. We may be in a bad place, but we're protected by him. And this is where we're posted. So I would tell people, you know what? This is where I'm, I'm assigned here now. This is where I'm living. If I get transferred, God will do it. He'll, he'll make a way for me to go, and he'll tell me, okay, this is where I want you to go, and then I'll go. But until then, I'm enlisted, I'm here, and I'm going to do what he wants me to do. Now, people say, well, wait a minute. What happens if you get robbed? 
what happens if you know something worse happens, if you get shot one day by somebody with an AK-47. Well, if, I'm, if God is my protection, then he's going to be with me regardless of what happens, whether I live or die, whether I'm in a coma, or whether I'm walking around. But without God, I'm never going to feel secure when I'm in any of those places. And I know that I can trust God because he knows who I am and he knows who you are. He's not just sitting up there in the sky or in some other dimension looking down at us as if we're little miniature figures on a model train set. But he knows us intimately. He knew us before we were born. He knows exactly how he works, how we work, and he loves us deeply. And to bring that to us this morning, John's going to come up and talk to us about Psalm 139. Good morning. Thank you, Jeff, for that introduction. Awesome. I just want to start off by saying um, I've only really had a cup of coffee this morning, so it's kind of moving right through my uh, bloodstream. So I might talk a little fast. I'm going to try to control it, but just want to let everybody know. All right. So, um, oh, wrong one. Nope. Hold on. I can do this. There we go. All right. Um, Jeff started off his message with a cool picture of a girl hanging out of a car with an AK-47. Um, I think my picture is just as cool. I am kind of a space nerd, so that might be why I think that. Um, these, if you don't know what they are, these are called the pillars of creation. So inside those three pillars are everything that's needed, all the minerals, all the whatever you need to, to create a new star. So that's out there. Now, this picture was taken by the Hubble telescope, and the Hubble telescope takes pictures of things really, really far away. So these are actually 7,000 light years away. If you don't know what a light year is, that's the distance light travels in one year. It's something like 6 million miles. So these are super, super far away, and we can get pictures of that. And you're probably wondering why we have that picture of something that's so far away, and, and we'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, so we are, like, like Jeff said, we are doing the Summer of Psalms. And, oops, wrong way. Dang it, this is not working. I don't like this one. <laughs> we got it, yeah. Um, we are doing the Summer of Psalms. And um, along with those, like Jeff said, we're going to answer that, where is God? And Jeff kind of did it as a look at the state of the world, where is God? I want to talk about that in more of a relational way. And Psalm 139 answers that question for us, where is God? I know for me, I have been in some places, um, especially when I was younger, where things just were not going right. Everything just kind of fell apart. And I was in really like depressed, anxiety, kind of everything. And I asked that question a bunch of times, so much to the point where it almost kind of became a rhetorical question for me. I'd look at something, I was like, where is God? And I started seeing only negativity throughout my life and through kind of everywhere. So we want to get past that rhetorical question and kind of actually get a good answer to that. And so one, Psalm 139, David helps us answer that question. So he starts off the psalm, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I arrive, arise, and you perceive my thoughts from afar. So when David says searched, in Hebrew that's kind of like, searching for gold or searching deep for something. So he, he searches us, and like Jeff said, he knows us before we were born. He knows everything we're going to do. He knows us well. He's what's called omniscient. So he kind of knows everything. He knows everything about us. 
Now, it says, when I, you know when I sit down and when I rise. That's actually kind of a big deal. Nowadays, we have, like, cameras pretty much everywhere. This is on Facebook Live. I have apps on my phone where I can track my family wherever they are. If I'm worried about them or uh, they're taking longer than I expected, I can pop it up and look where they are. In David's time, in biblical time, there was no way to know where people were if you weren't in the same room with them. Once they left, there was no clue. I mean, they could be gone forever. I mean, think about it. Joseph and Mary didn't know where Jesus was for three days before they finally said, oh, we should probably go look for him. So it, knowing where somebody is, having someone, God, who is, could be 7,000 miles, light years away, still knowing every mundane thing that we do, sitting up or standing, sitting down or standing up, is huge for David. And then he perceived my thoughts from far. He, God knows what we're thinking even when those around us don't. I mean, people only really know what we're thinking when we're speaking. So that was huge for David. So where is God? He's there with us. Um, and David follows, if you go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So David's essentially saying that God is anywhere we go, God is there. We can't escape him. So if we go... For example, go mine in the earth for gold, God is there with us. If we take a plane flight, God is there with us. If we go out in space, somehow end up at the pillars of creation, God is there with us. So the answer to where is God is God is everywhere. He's omnipresent, which means like omniscience, he knows everything. Omnipresent means that he is everywhere. He is never separated from us, especially when we go. And once we accept Jesus into our hearts, we get the Holy Spirit. and He's so close to us. He's in our hearts. He's there with us. So we never have to worry about God leaving us no matter where we go. And then David says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light will become night around me. Even darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like to you, for the darkness is light to you. Now, I don't know if you know about poetry or too much about poetry. When there's repetition, and if you can see in these verses, darkness is three times. It's for emphasis. So David wants to emphasize that there's darkness and you know, that can be like dark, like night, like when the sun goes down, it's dark. But it, in Hebrew, the word for darkness actually also means like evil or good. So evil would be light, or sorry, evil would be darkness, light would be good, or even order and chaos. Chaos is darkness, and light is order. And so we, uh, like I said earlier, there's times in our lives where we are just surrounded by darkness, surrounded by chaos, everything just kind of explodes and, and, and falls away. I mean, I've, I've had times in my life where everything just seems to be lost and I have no idea what happened. Um, so God is always there with us. He's protecting us. He's being with us. I don't know if anyone's really familiar with the Footsteps in the Sand poem. So if you're not, it's a poem about a guy who's walking with God and he turns around and sees there's places that have only one set of footsteps. And he says, well, when there's one set of footsteps, what was going on? And God says, that's when I carried you. So if we ask the question, where is God? God is always with us. So even in those times of darkness, in those times of chaos, when we're lost, when we're confused, we're depressed, anxiety has got us through the roof, we, we, can't, we can barely go outside to function, God is there. And he, not only is he there with us, he's carrying us through those times. Those times we can't move forward by ourselves, God is there with us to move forward. So even when we don't think to, even when we, those times we kind of want to hide from God, I know in my life there's, I've done some stuff where I hope nobody's watching and I definitely don't want God watching. Um, he's still there with us. He's not judging us, but he's there to watch us and make sure that we're going to get through those things. So 
um, Psalms is poetry, and poetry is always full of emotion. So as David goes through, he gets, as Je- like it happens in Psalm 39, he gets angry. He said, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you heart bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. So he gets angry because through the opening parts of this psalm, he's in awe of God's omniscience. He's joyful about God's omnipresence. But he gets angry at people who, this God who is always there, always with us, always take thinking about us, always knows us so well, just throw God to the side and think he's nothing. They, they say, trust in humans, run, do what you need to do. But David gets angry. So he's, he's angry at this point. And then he ends the psalm in kind of a, a better way. He says, search me, God. You know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So we know it started with God, you search me. So he's God searches us, but this is an invitation. At the end, David ends with an invitation. says, search me, God. Find all those things that are negative. So first he's angry, and then he realizes in himself that I'm angry, but I have those same issues those people have. I have anxious thoughts. There are things that I know for me, I would much rather speak in front of 100,000 people than have to tell someone, invite someone in front row who I know well to church. Like, whenever I'm going to do that, I have every single possible negative scenario in my head pops up. It just, I, it goes, I go through every possible thing. Oh, this is going to change my relationship with them. Or what if they say no and then they don't want to hang out with me anymore? Or what if I ask them and then all of a sudden it turns them farther away and all the work that I've done is gone? So I know I need God to take those. When it's time for me to make those steps and help someone progress forward, I need God to search me and take out those negative those anxieties, those negative thoughts, those things that would take me away from not only realizing the greatest purpose in my life, but helping someone else realize the greatest purpose in their life. So this week's big challenge is to take time this week and ask God to search you, to, to test you, to, to test you for the purity, for that strength, to help build you up, to take out those negative things, the thoughts that you have, all those anxieties that you could have, to help you to move forward and to be stronger and, and follow Jesus and invite him in your heart more. Let's pray.